but if you also know Golang, you can do even crazier stuff. Like you can take, for example, machine learning model from Keros, compress it, put it into the Golang SDK, and then invoke from PHP, and ta you now have machine learning mm-hmm. embedded directly into PHP via Golang Bridge. So like you can do these crazy things if you know multiple languages, uh, specifically Golang. Golang is beautiful because it's quite easy to learn it, right? It doesn't have many of these legacy overhead and nuances you have to remember. So it's not required, but if you do, well, you're essentially a superhero in PHP world. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Sourcegraph. They recently launched a new feature called Code Insights. Now you can track what really matters to you and your team in your code base. Transform your code into a queryable database to create customizable visual dashboards in seconds. Here's how engineering teams are using Code Insights. They can track migrations, adoption, and deprecation across the code base. They can detect and track versions of languages or packages. They can ensure the removal of security vulnerabilities like Log4j. They can understand code by team, track code smells and health, and visualize configurations and services. Here's what the engineering manager at Prezi has to say about this new feature. Quote, as we've grown, so has a need to better track and communicate our progress and our goals across the engineering team and the broader company. With Code Insights, our data and migration tracking is accurate across our entire code base and our engineers and our managers can shift out of manual spreadsheets and spend more time working on code, end quote. The next step is to see how other teams are using this awesome feature. Head to about.sourcegraph.com slash code dash insights. This link will be in the show notes again, about.sourcegraph.com slash code dash insights. Go time. Welcome to Go Time, your source for diverse discussions from around the Go community. We record live on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Subscribe at youtube.com slash changelog so you don't miss it. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at GoTimeFM. Special thanks to our partners at Fastly for shipping our shows super fast to wherever you listen. Check them out at Fastly.com. Okay, here we go. Welcome to this episode of Go Time, everyone. Glad to have you back. So, Go and PHP sitting in a tree. I don't know, there's you know kissing going on, but we're gonna figure out why Go and PHP are together on this uh, particular episode. Because um, last time I touched PHP was many years ago, and uh, although it has it, it had its charms. It did have some quirks as well, um, and we may touch on those uh, during this episode. But joining me today are two folks who actually work with uh, Go and PHP on a regular basis, and uh, that got us curious. Actually, someone actually suggested this episode, I believe. Let me let me look up there. Um, oh, I will find who it was and give him a shout out for suggesting this episode. Shout out to listener Seb for requesting this episode and putting Roadrunner and PHP on our radar. Thanks, Seb. 
and they actually recommended Roadrunner, which is a project we'll uh, definitely be touching on, by name as an example of Go and PHP working well together. So joining me uh, today are two guests, Mr. Valerie, and I'm and I know I'm going to butcher your, your last name, Piachinsky. Did I get that right? <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> and then also um, Anton Titov. Hopefully I got that right. Yeah, that's correct. Nice to meet you. Okay. So Valerie is a software developer at uh, Spiral Scout, the team that works uh, on uh, Roadrunner, the particular project that we'll be touching on. He enjoys working on algorithms, writing his own operating system for learning purposes in C++, and helping folks get into programming, uh, which is uh, pretty awesome. He also uh, streams on, on Twitch, uh, mostly go open source uh, Go stuff. Anton is actually a CTO and co-founder at Spiral Scout, uh, also uh, the same uh, team that actively works behind Behind, uh, behind a roadrunner. He loves software and hardware. We were just uh, talking be before the show about uh, some of the hardware stuff he's working on with Go, uh, you know, rather than going a tradition the traditional route of uh, the embedded uh, stuff, you know, with C or Python or whatnot. I got a chance to take a peek at that. Uh, very interesting stuff. He also enjoys uh, some DIY robotics and machine learning. Welcome to you both, Chance. Yeah, thank you. I was saying I do not try to pronounce my surname, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like rather complicated. <laughs> but you're almost correct. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. So go in PHP. Let's start with what brought you to PHP. Like why? Why are you working on PHP this day and age? Well, not not that there's anything wrong with working on PHP this day and age. I'm <laughs> saying like you know, out of all the languages one could pick, PHP's been around a, a long, long, long yeah. time. Like back when the, in the infancy of the web, it was like at some point, PHP was like the it language to actually write you know um, dynamic websites and whatnot, competing with the like of ASP uh, Classic as we refer to it now, and the likes of Cold Fusion. I mean, these things like are like granddaddy or grandmommies of the early web. What led you to PHP? Well, as you mentioned, it's, it's a very old language. I was young and naive, and I wanted to have my own forum or my own CMS board. And if you're trying to build a forum back in like uh, 05, the only option would be for you is PHP. It's like, mm -hmm. I remember trying to download the source code of like the website and trying to figure out why it doesn't work. Well, apparently you had to install a bunch of instruments to also make it work. But it's just been the beginning of kind of this long, long journey. And I'm still sticking to that. So it's a beautiful language these days, and it changed a lot. Yeah, yeah, very nice. <laughs> so surprisingly, <laughs> I'm not a PHP developer. So <laughs> I'm a Go developer on and working on, on a Go part of the like ecosystem, Roadrunner connecting to PHP parts. So Anton, for me, is like a light at the end of the tunnel connected to me from the PHP side. Okay, so then... You've got the PHP as part of your background, and then here comes along Go. Like, when did you get into it, and what led you to actually combining those two things? Mm, I can probably talk from the kind of combining part. I mean, the Go been around when I was kind of start studying it. It was around for a few years, and I only hear like a good things about it, like performance, fast, concurrent, all of these kind of terms, which now, uh, well, we all know about Golang. Well, I mean, I actually just tried to just play with that. And I played, uh, made a couple interesting applications. And since uh, PHP was the main kind of production stack, I was just trying to see how I can kind of use it within this practice. Because all of the examples on Golang was kind of like small and easier, right? And on PHP, we have frameworks, like 10 layers of abstractions, ORIAMs, and et cetera. So it's kind of very different worlds. 
So, I mean, it was just curious. It was kind of very curious language for someone who'd been working with like this type of language for a very long time. And, uh, well, that has been an idea. Can we actually make them work together? Can we get benefits of PHP and benefits in Go? And can we improve the well developer experience or our own experience? I came to Spiral Scout like in 2018 as uh, just a regular developer on one of the projects, like Golang developer. Previously, I was programming in uh, .NET, so I was heavily involved into .NET ecosystem, like C Sharp. I've got some, like, I guess, 40, 70, 483 examples. It's like C Sharp, something like C Sharp professional. So, and I saw a guy who worked on very famous taxi company based in New York. <laughs> so it, it, uh, he uh, rewriting old Ruby on Rails system into some interesting language. So mm. it was like 2015, maybe in early uh, days of the Golang. So I, I like, what is uh, language? So could you please uh, explain me about what is... So it, I was really impressed about first web server written in Golang. So it was so so little lines of code and it uh, brings you to a, like a, a web server that can respond with like just hello world, but it just works. After that, I came into like Spiral Scout was involved into uh, like internal projects. And one time I started to write a test in the Aerodrunner. So it was like a mess <laughs> because entering from the PHP expertise, like forgot to and errors from the functions. <laughs> like there are no errors if you don't return them. <laughs> of course, I fixed it and it was like a lot of errors in the tests. And I sent this PR to Pierre to Anton, and Anton was like, "Oh my God, why you did this?" <laughs> and we yeah. like, okay, we start to fixing it, and we eventually, and we finally fixed all of these uh, like errors. And uh, after that, I was like involved into the Golang part of the Roadrunner, and uh, we started working with uh, Anton together to improve the quality too. So well, he pretty much rewrote most of the parts of it, but <laughs> <laughs> that was for the good. <laughs> yeah, might be. Obviously, you you saw a need and you decided to uh, fill in and started meeting, doing some of the things that you saw that need to be done, and that's always awesome. That's how you know the majority of uh, open source uh, contributions happen, right? You know, you, yeah. you find something that you enjoy working on and and you contribute code to it, and, that, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Obviously, when I think about my experience with PHP and all sort of the hoops we had to jump through to sort of uh, um, to quote unquote make it scale and, and sort of using today's terminology and, and whatnot. When I sort of uh, read the description of the project and I'm like, okay, this is a load balancer rolled into some sort of application server rolled into some sort of, I mean, it, it's trying to do a lot of things. So why don't we start with what the difference is between plain Jane PHP application server, like the last one I was used to was like Zen or something like that. It was a very long time ago. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> exactly. I'm dating myself here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what, what's the difference between sort of the those, I guess, for lack of a better terminology, those, those traditional application servers that are designed to run PHP versus this new approach? To answer this question, it's actually important to understand how PHP actually become like uh, this type of language and bottleneck, which is hard to scale. So, like, mm -hmm. imagine every time you write the Golang application, which say, let's say, 
doing some endpoint on HTTP. Every time you've been getting an HTTP request, imagine that you have to bootload your application from the disk, start it, answer this request, and then kill this application, and do it over and over and over for every request. This sounds super expensive, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's how PHP been working for 26 or plus years. And it's quite amazing that you have the tech which quite literally restarts on every request and it still kind of powers like the pretty much majority of backend on internet. Well, I mean, public backend, let's say. So the idea was actually uh, quite simple. I just removed this overhead. I mean, when I started working with uh, Roadrunner, I started working as actually a protocologist, making communication between uh, two languages. And the first example was quite simple. Okay, we have, let's say, a function in Golan to do, let's say, some heavy math, which on PHP might be not optimal. And I have this like highly OP strict code uh, in PHP. And by the way, like modern PHP is all about like OP strict types, annotations, attributes, like it's all very, very similar to Java these days, except it's free, open, and very easy to learn, let's say. So then I just tried to make a call from uh, PHP to Golang using this like internal uh, socket or Unix socket RPC call, and it did work. And then I tried to make a very stupid experiment, actually. I tried the native uh, PHP library for RabbitMQ to push message, and I used the Golang library for RabbitMQ to push message, uh, but with additional this RPC overhead from PHP. And we ran some tests, and we found out that the PHP to Golang bridge to everything Q works like not like margin much, but like few percents farther than a native solution. And it was like, that's weird. <laughs> this shouldn't be happening, right? Mm-hmm. And this kind of led to the idea that like PHP is like a very beautiful language to model business processes. Not like high-scale I.O. operations, like traffic management or well, ingresses. It's single-threaded. It's very dummy, like in terms of like you can go left, you can go right in some cases. You still can shoot yourself to the foot, but uh, these days it's much harder. But it's very good to have good libraries to explain, like permission models, document mapping, data mapping. If you'll see how to work with mapping JSON in Golang and PHP, you'll definitely see a major difference in favor of PHP because it's, well, dynamic language. And Golang on the other side is beautiful to manage, like all of these long polling connections, sockets, like retries, restarts, delays, all of this fun stuff, which PHP just by the definition by model can't. So then we just try to create the method uh, which been invoking uh, code from PHP using worker pools. So you have like hot processes of PHP, which are already in memory, like let's say one per your CPU core, and then just ask one of them, just do this payload, do this work for me. You don't kill your application, you don't restart it, like you have no overhead. And when we did this code, well, it was working like 11 times faster than native approach. So we created HTTP layer at top called Roadrunner, and it's been, well, kind of with us since then. We haven't written a single application without this model, probably like since 2019. Wow. Yeah, pretty amazing species. <laughs> so who is this for? Is it the Go developer who has to work with PHP or the PHP developer who has to work with Go? Or who are you targeting with this approach? I guess both, both of them. Well, it's a, it's actually it's a very good question. I mean, the main auditory is obviously PHP people because what well, the main idea of Roadrunner is like you can take this complex aspects of like uh, queue load balancing, HTTPS traffic, temporal GRPC, and you're going to make them boring for these developers. 
but just out of the box. You want gRPC? Sure, just plug and play. You want a temporal? Sure, like it's already here, just make it work. You don't need to install anything. It basically manages the complex stuff for you. But at the same time, it's kind of for the Golang engineers who typically work in pair or on the same team as PHP engineers. Because this is application server, like it's very easy to intercept and modify the requests and calls which you do with PHP. So like you can add your own validations, like authentications, and all obviously going to work much faster and possibly like with much deeper integration with modern like cloud native tools. You have like metrics, uh, I know, readiness, healthy endpoints, like all of the stuff you need to make application basically like native to the current environments. But obviously the first target auditorium, well, it's just engineers and companies who are just trying to write scalable code, but at the same time, don't necessarily want to hire like 10 Rust engineers. Like it's more like a balance between price for the engineer and how fast you can find them and uh, the performance and quality of the software you create. Okay, so this is as much a technical decision as it is a business one. Well, in the long term, yes, because how many startups you've seen which come to the point we're going to scrap out PHP and move to something else? It's been a bunch. Right. Facebook invented their own language, you know. Right. Hack and we've contacted their right. there are some Russian competitor did the same thing, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of like becomes so expensive, so you even have to jump in and make your own compiler for this stuff. And we just we can just move this line when you have to move uh, from one tag to another, ideally up to infinity. Just if you need something fast, do it in other language. I mean, it's all about microservices these days and distributed applications. So like mm. you're no longer stuck to one language. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, well, you're a startup. You're trying to integrate with few providers, and you need to create 12, 15 uh, API endpoints, like. Who are you going to be using for that? Do you really want to hire senior engineers who's going to be doing that? Or you can just use senior PHP engineers, which is much uh, higher like availability since it's so old language. Which is going to do the same thing, which is going to work the same on the same performance. Well, just going to be done easier because you can source people easier. Mm. Yeah. And at the same time, if you wanted some to do some pretty hard work or some low-level stuff, you can easily write a simple plugin and plugging into Roadrunner, compile it, and uh, like solve your needs with that. Mm-hmm. So we also write our own plugin system because so initially we wanted to use like Golang native plugin system. You know, it works only on Linux at the moment. So we uh, we waited a little for the Windows support, but I guess it doesn't seem to happen. Uh, so the Windows support for uh, for Golang native plugins, but we wrote our own plugin system called Endure, which is suitable for like plugging all of the species of Golang, combining into one part, like initializing it, starting to surf it, stopping, so building a tree with all of those plugins. So you can, for example, if you write once a configuration parser, for example, if you write like a parser from the YAML, for example, you don't need to write or copy or create some SDK to bring this part into every plugin. So you can just request this init function and Roadrunner will take care about finding this dependency, initializing it, topologically sorting the graph and providing this initialized dependency for you. You only need to just, okay, configuration, Please give me the gRPC section. 
or give me some other section. So if something goes wrong, Rodana will uh, take care about this, of course, and uh, like provide you like nice but unreadable for PHP users <laughs> message about like going some panic or some errors, something like this. So, and uh, for the PHP, all complexity for the PHP user is to properly define what do you need in the configuration. Like you have a configuration. You need HTTP, so you just enable HTTP section, put your configuration, and Rodrano will remove all other plugins from the tree. Like it won't even start. It just run a use section for your needs, like HTTP or gRPC. Or you can write your own plugin, put your section in the configuration, built with uh, our tool called Velox. This is a tool which helps you to build Rodrano with your own custom plugins based on GitHub. So it's uh, all of this uh, heavy complex, complex stuff is was moved to Golang part, and uh, the open nice things moved to <laughs> like PHP. That's actually quite an exchange of knowledge because uh, this first container actually came like as architectural pattern in most of the PHP applications. Because if you've seen .NET, Java, or PHP applications, you have a ton of classes, interfaces that inherit each other. They like use class declarations and etc so like you can't work without container and it being dependencies you need to manage all of this stuff so like essentially we use this idea inside a roadrunner well obviously added the going favor to initiate it lays it all correctly in the correct order and answering the question like how like it's large tool already well it's kind of not because it's just a container uh with a bunch of like cli tools and instruments and the rest is just kind of like independent projects and plugins so we can add them um, uh, without kind of influencing on each other or worrying to break the tool. Do we want to run with HTTP layer? Sure. If you don't, well, disable the plugin and build it. It's going to be exactly the same thing, just less memory to manage. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Fire Hydrant. Fire Hydrant is the reliability platform for every developer. Incidents, they impact everyone, not just SREs. They give teams the tools to maintain service catalogs, respond to incidents, communicate through status pages, and learn with retrospectives. What would normally be manual, error-prone tasks across the entire spectrum are responding to an incident. They can all be automated in every way with Fire Hydrant. They have incident tooling to manage incidents of any type with any severity with consistency declare and mitigate incidents all from inside slack service catalogs allow service owners to improve operational maturity and document all your deploys in your service catalog incident analytics allow you to extract meaningful insights about your reliability over any facet of your incident or the people who respond to them and at the heart of it all incident runbooks they let you create custom automation rules convert manual tasks into automated reliable repeatable sequences that run when you want you can create Slack channels, Jira tickets, Zoom bridges instantly after declaring an incident. Now your processes can be consistent and automatic. The next step is to try it free. Small teams up to 10 people can get started for free with all Fire Hydrant features included. No credit card is required. Get started at firehydrant.io. Again, firehydrant.io. Thank <laughs> you.
let's dive in a little bit into the weeds, <laughs> if we will. Are you like shipping like a binary? Like, are, are you interpreting PHP or like what's the sort of a, if I'm a developer, what does my experience look like? So from PHP perspective, we're trying to do the less invasive work possible. You literally don't need to do anything to make it work from PHP side. There's no extensions, there is no like special CLIs, interpreters, nothing. What we actually do, uh, we do the 20, 30 years old approach, well, which still drives all of the applications, we manage the worker pool. So what Roadrunner does, it uh, actually uses the default PHP interpreter, well, which is a binary, invokes it with your application, and then keeps it in memory in a like pre-warmed state. And when uh, the request payload comes, which can come for like HTTP endpoint, task queue, temporal workflow, gRPC, whatever, like you name it, you just send this payload to PHP and wait for it to complete. But like over the lifetime, the only main difference for the engineer, which is well, for some engineers quite hard, is to realize that your application lives longer than just a single request. And you can't just have a global variable counter, which is going to plus plus and expect it's going to be zero on next request. That's the only difference. But besides that, it just, it's a same exact PHP, same exact extensions, configurations as you typically use. It's just managed in a bit different flavor. But surprisingly, Roadrunner know nothing about the PHP. So Roadrunner is not binded to, especially to a PHP. It just runs uh, some command you specify in your configuration. So you can do it in Python. You can even run Golang <laughs> inside the Golang, like Golang inside the Golang workers. So the main purpose for the Roadrunner is to manage the process. Who will be in this process? So for the Roadrunner, it doesn't care about this. Yeah. It cares about the protocol. So protocol is language agnostic. So I saw a project. Some guy wrote this, uh, implements this protocol in Python. Anton showed me like um, some times ago. So it's like Python running inside the Roadrunner. So because it's the same, pretty the same model, like uh, the one-threaded model in the Python. So some guy wrote this in and yeah. So it works. This sounds like a process manager, if you will. So if you wanted to, you could you could have Python, obviously, as you just mentioned, Ruby, yes. yeah. obviously not PHP natively, um, and whatever else other sort of interpreted languages you, you want. Like even like pre-compiled things, it sounds like you can just have in there and then basically just invoke it. In theory, you can take 20 years old Perl file and run it on the Roadrunner. <laughs> but if you want to do it, obviously, that's a good question. But yes, I mean, uh, I think the only mention Main mention of PHP is actually the title of Roadrunner as a PHP application management server. But besides that, mm -hmm. there's nothing which actually ties it specifically to single language, except that the single language has a largest SDK code base to communicate with all the features from Roadrunner. Mm -hmm. But that's just a nuance, quite frankly. Okay, so if I'm used to working with single process PHP style application, I think you touched on this earlier, where it's like I'm restarting the world traditionally when I'm when I'm dealing with, you know, PHP, where one request just restarts the world. And yeah. basically it's like everything is like a new, right? In this world where instead there's a worker pool, there's a process management happening, do you find that developers have to sort of have a sort of a mindset shift to basically to think, okay, there's not just one process here, there's multiple. So does that change sort of the 
the nature of how they program? Do they switch from programming, I guess, a single process to now having multiple processes to contend with? Well, I mean, when PHP runs on scale, you still have multiple processes. They just create it on demand, mm-hmm. but you still have like 500 PHP processes uh, running the request. Mm-hmm. But there is definitely the um, kind of conception shift in people. Uh, it's been much harder earlier, like even a year ago. But now, like the main reason why it's easy these days, because very minimal amount of people write on pure PHP. Unlike Golang, where most of the time you write in pure Golang because you can, like you may be like using some small HTTP overlay framework, but mostly you're going to be using SPL functions, let's say, to do most of your business stuff. In PHP, it's completely different. You have Symfony or Laravel or our infrastructure framework, Spiral, and they all manage for you. So the beautiful thing is that all of these frameworks, over the time, well, we created our own specifically for this purpose, but all other frameworks, they actually do upgrades and patches, which solves all of these kind of thinking nuances for the engineer. They reboot some parts of the services, like clean up the caches and etc. So if you're using modern framework... And if you're using Roadrunner, you most likely won't even notice a difference in like 90% of your activities. It's still going to be some nuances, but most of them are already known and already been solved. If you're using framework which specifically built for Roadrunner like ours, nothing is different for you. Just write code and it's all being managed and like uh, uh, state is managed in memory and all completely resetted. So would a PHP developer ever even need to know what's under the hood what's running their what their process is they, they i assume they'll never really come in unless they want to like come in contact with any go whatsoever well it's like owning a car and being able to drive a car right if you have a run run php and default php sdk you can do many many like wonderful things you can make php respond in like 50 microseconds like run on the all realms and all the queries use grpc and like use and all of this stuff but if you also know golang you can do even crazier stuff like you can take for example machine learning model from keros compress it, put it into the Golang SDK, and then invoke from PHP, and ta you now have machine learning mm-hmm. embedded directly into PHP via Golang Bridge. So, like, you can do these crazy things if you know multiple languages, uh, specifically Golang. And Golang is beautiful because it's so, e- I mean, it's quite easy to learn it, right? It's, it doesn't have many of these legacy overhead and nuances you have to remember. So, it's not required, but if you do, well, you're essentially a superhero in PHP world. <laughs> Yeah, and also your hardware project, Anthony. Well, yeah, that's another example how you can use it. It's also written, yeah, on, in Roadrunner and PHP combination. I can show it when it's going to be uh, the right time. Up to you, Johnny. <laughs> well, you know, given that uh, most of our users are going to be listening, not viewing this, <laughs> we, we may not be able to show them, show them much. I'll try to walk it through, yeah. I do want to sort of understand, obviously, this is an open source project and folks um, are contributing to it. I do want to understand sort of uh, what are some of the hardest challenges that you encountered, like while um, sort of coming up with this model. Obviously, you're running a process manager, you have to worry about inter-process communication, you have to worry about sort of a, how to keep things in, in memory efficiently, all that stuff. You know, I'm curious as to sort of what are some of those biggest challenges and that perhaps that you're still facing. I think, I mean, about the current challenges, Valeria can speak. I don't think we're facing like a lot of them now, but when we started working on this tool, it's been... It's been a number of interesting things to solve. Well, number one, we had to create a protocol to communicate between two different languages, and it had to work over pipes, over Unix sockets and TCP sockets. So it's been like, okay, 
how are you going to create a low-level IPC protocol if you don't want to jump to like shared memory or all of these things? This being not like a hard conceptual problem because you can always like default protocol is like netstring. You have the length of the message with like in a fixed head, uh, fixed head size, and then you have the payload body. So. It's quite easy. You just read the package between languages. Then, obviously, it was a problem with the process manager because PHP sometimes tends not to start if you don't send it right parameters or it may crash. If, again, you send an invalid payload, I mean, doesn't do it anymore. It's been like uh, a demo builds. And obviously, raise conditions on Golang side. Oh, that was horrible because mm. you can't just write a process manager. No one just writes process manager. <laughs> Sorry for the reference. You also need to collect the stats. You also need to watch for the process to restart. You need to collect the SSD error, right? You need to understand how many times you invoked it, what was, uh, when it was started. Like, if things like, okay, let's check how long this process exists. And you call, say, time now, and you immediately kill your performance, right? Because it's doing a syscall, well, back in the day, something like that. Or, for example, you have a request coming, but at the same time, the PHP process runs out of the memory. So what's going to happen is going to fail. How are you going to start it? Like, it's going to be, it's been so many, like, little integrational help uh, and um, edge cases for this type of work. But, like, Eventually, like once we jumped uh, from this part, what we managed is another part of the hell. When you have a single server which has HTTP endpoint, everything is quite easy, right? You have request, packet into the binary form, send to PHP, and well, Bob's your uncle. But when you're doing HTTP, and then you also want to manage the queue process manager, like cooperate with RabbitM queue. But what happens, what if you have HTTP which runs a PHP worker? which sends data to queue. So now you have two plugins, which not only have to work, they also have to be uh, created in a correct order, wait for each of them to co- properly connect, and only then make it work. So like, that was a part of like scratching the head a lot because it was so hard to solve with all of these dependencies and plugins and hidden dependencies because like PHP Worker can theoretically do anything what it wants. It's like, it can call to queue and it, it can invoke HTTP endpoint through the router onto itself, which is, uh, well, I'm not even sure what's going to happen in this case. But uh, that's why we created the container. That's what we can do it eventually in Dure, which is solves all these problems. And now, like, there is barely no integrational hell between, like, plugins and Roadrunner. They all, like, have interfaces, very easy to connect them together. It's, it's basically become a framework for the application server. So if you have this deployed, is it recommended, basically, that you have, basically, a single tenant kind of situation whereby... You don't want sort of a, a processes from multiple parties that are not really associated with the same, say, the same company, right? You don't want to run this in, in as a some sort of a, you know open to all multi-tenant sort of system because you could have one process sort of peeking in into what's happening and with another process within this sort of a uh, within this world, or is it isolation between these things running to, running all in the same system? Well, it could be. We can isolate it by many uh, different ways. We can isolate them by running with different permission model in PHP. You can literally forbid most of the functions, which, well, 
some engineers and hikers will still be able to bypass. You can run them in different user groups and user in different memory spaces. I mean, right now we don't run it uh, in like shared fashion, as like old-fashioned shared hostings. It's mostly suitable for the most classic approach now. You have a container. Within this container, you have your application, your APIs, so like other service functions of this application. And it's fully self-contained inside this container. If you work on a multi-tenant model, you don't run uh, 10 different PHP scripts with different users. You solve the multi-tenancy on the well application design level within your application domain. I hope it makes sense. <laughs> But I've been thinking about this problem for a while. Basically, in short, if you want to do the multi-tenancy, you're doing it in your application code. Roadrunner and it's developed, designed to actually work the best in modern like Docker environment or container-based environment. It's a single application per application instance, let's say. Single instance of Roadrunner per or single instance of application, sorry. Gotcha. Yeah, and I guess uh, as for me, it was uh, a lot of challenges in like to write all these things because basically Roadrunner as you can see in like Rodan repository, is uh, just a GLE interface. So it's just a Rodaner serve, Rodaner workers command, but everything is hidden under the main, I guess, three parts. Those parts are it's Endure, as Anton mentioned, is uh, like it was a surprise for me because you know in Golang we we don't have any containers, so we because we we just don't need them to get something dependency or... So I heard about some project in Uber, like Uber FX or Google Wire, I guess, but I don't think it's much popular solutions. So in my project, I, I never like, worked with a container, but PHP is everything about containers and everything about dependency injection and so on. So we have to write a, such algorithmic container which like mutate based on the configuration. So it's not like, please give me some dependency. It's uh, about, I have a configuration. I have a set of, I guess at the moment we have 20 plugins or more, I guess, I, I don't know <laughs> how much exactly, but you provide a, a bunch of plugins, like provide a configuration and say, okay, now build this. <laughs> Build this properly, managing the connection, as Anton says, that like if you provide, for example, initialize like um, a logger and logger needs a configuration. So you have to properly uh, topologically uh, sort all these things to provide first, to initialize first like configuration, then provide this uh, pointer to a logger. So the Golang race, race flag won't help us here because it's so distributed all over the plugins. So you have to manage and see every like race condition by yourself. So you have to be very careful with writing all of the things, but we hide all of this complexity inside the Endure. And you have to be sure that uh, provided dependency is uh, like uh, concurrent free. Yeah. So you, you can't uh, like use it in, from the different threads. But the second part is also uh, Gorish. It's a protocol. It's um, in Gorish version one and version two, it was like uh, Anton said, it's very basic protocol, like uh, I guess 14 bytes of, correct me if I'm wrong, Anton, <laughs> 14 bytes or 18 bytes. Seven, the first version had 17 bytes header for whatever reason. 17 bytes, yeah. It's like a few flags, like uh, payloads in big Indian, little Indian, and payload. 
But imagine the situation if you pass your payload over the pipes, for example. You don't have any mechanism to CRC or to check if this payload correct, passing it from the one side of the wire to another. But Roadrunner uh, and uh, Gorish version 3 has a um, protocol based on IP protocol. So I, I wrote uh, recently a few protocols like TCP IP, IP protocol, and uh, combine them all together to have a proper protocol for communicating with uh, PHP parts. So we have a like asynchronous support, we have a, a header lens like in IP protocol, we have a variable lens options. So we have all of this uh, funny stuff to extend it and not to break it uh, from version to version. And uh, I guess the third part is DK, which is uh, contains all these worker pools. And this is complicating stuff because, you know, you have to, for example, imagine you have a HTTP plugin enabled. The user want to get a statistic about the workers. So the one approach is to stop the world. Okay, stop all of the HTTP requests and uh, get all of the statistics about, like, get all of the pointers to workers, get the stat pretty it with some format and show to the user. And another approach is to have a, some shared a place where you can safely get at any time, like without logs even, this pointer and to provide to user. But when, when the restart happens or some issue happens, it will lock only in this case. So it's like statistics in the Roadrunner, it's basically free for user. It's not interrupt the, uh, the actual request. I mean, not uh, HTTP, not jobs, so it's uh, yeah. nor of them. It's quite funny how it actually uh, how we jump into these edge cases because most of our users are actually like already mature uh, PHP applications and like large, large startups. And like they don't play with like 10 requests. Like, okay, I mean, we just bump <laughs> a few millions a day and we see this bug. So what is this bug about? Oh, you know what? Over time, some it's like things which you could never imagine while developing the thing. But when they catch them, uh, thankfully, the user reports them. It's just easy to see, like, kind of very interesting to see how it works on scale. Yeah. And basically, imagine a situation when you have a completely fair scheduler in Golang. So you, I guess you saw this ticket recently. It's about to write a completely fair scheduler, bring it to Golang. So we started working with that, I guess, year before to provide a completely fair scheduler to schedule a jobs inside the Roadrunner. So we don't finish it yet, but we're continuously working on it. So to provide a, like a binary heaps algorithm to sort by priorities all of these jobs, like to, for example, if uh, you have an urgent jobs to execute, you have to set the priority one and it will be sorted and uh, schedule it properly. So there are a lot of such things, uh, very complicated things which you should work inside the Roadrunner and hide all of this complexity for user just to specify a few values in the configuration. Just, okay, I don't need a gRPC, so it's removed, but all of this complexity hidden under the hood. Like That's why it's hard to create uh, uh, very nice user-friendly APIs. You know, that's there's a lot going on under the hood, but, you know, like you're making it easy for people to, to actually use. That's the beauty. 
what can be easier to make just a Hello World endpoint? Yes, it's so true. Yeah, well, <laughs> the loan balancer, Kubernetes cluster, <laughs> control plane, and <laughs> other things. <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> I know, the, you know, man, yeah. things have changed <laughs> over the last decade or two. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do want to switch gears a little bit here, sort of uh, to understand like, if someone wanted to contribute, because it sounds like there's still uh, awesome, a lot of awesome ideas sort of at, at play and, and coming to the project. If someone wanted to contribute to that, like what would basically be sort of a, a safe expectation of them? Should they know how to how to work in PHP? Should they know how to do Go? Is there work for both sides of the fence? Like, what do you need to contribute to this project? Basically, I don't know PHP at all. I <laughs> I started to Googling like, okay, Anthony, I need to some test script. Could you please <laughs> write it for me? <laughs> or I need to like a for loop or some variable, so I, I need to Google how to write a for loop in PHP. For loop. <laughs> and this is great because I don't need to involve in, in the like PHP part. I can concentrate only to improving the Golang uh, user experience. And uh, like to contribute to the Roadrunner, it depends on who are you as a developer. You are a PHP developer or you are like Golang developer. If you a like a Golang developer, it's very easy. You just need to go to the Rotano issues, find an issue marked like uh, help needed or easy to, to resolve, like some entry level issues. Or if you want to like uh, contribute to PHP part, I guess it's a spiral framework, which you can like also have a lot of tickets to improve our PHP part. And you don't need to know both sides of, of this at the same time. You only need to know like PHP or Go. Or if you want to contribute both, usually yeah, you need to know both but yeah it's sounds like there's room for for either side yeah we're pretty friendly to contribution like on php you can help us to improve sdks and golang you can go as deep into the weeds as like uh as you solvish like jump dump little algos to run some crazy stuff even python developers can write a protocol version 3 and <laughs> like or ruby on rails developer yeah if you want we will definitely accept uh the contributions to make it work for other languages this episode is brought to you by LaunchDarkly. Fundamentally change how you deliver software, innovate faster, deploy fearlessly, and take control of your software so you can ship value to customers faster and get feedback sooner. LaunchDarkly is built for developers but empowers the entire organization. Get started for free and get a demo at launchdarkly.com. Again, launchdarkly.com. And by our friends at Flatfile, the leading data onboarding platform for teams who don't want to build yet another CSV uploader. Flatfile's powerful out-of-the-box solution takes the import burden off of your shoulders, freeing you to solve bigger business problems and build products that people love. Get to usable data faster so you can focus on what matters most to you and your business. It is incredibly fast to set up just write a few lines of code and get up and running in hours, not days or weeks. It is framework agnostic. Use the SDK to integrate Flatfile into any JavaScript application with support for all major frameworks. Learn more and get started at flatfile.com. Again, flatfile.com. Right.
So let's start with you, Anton. What did you bring? You only need 64 kilobytes of RAM. For what? Just for everything. Ever? Well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, prove it. <laughs> for the most of the stuff, I mean, I, I, I would just say like uh, people have to like try to work on kind of more memory efficient applications because when you work with hardware, 64 kilobytes of memory is a ton. You know, you can make robot moves, mm-hmm. blink eyes, go on the stairs, and do some other stuff. And what can you do with 64 kilobytes of JavaScript application? Tell me, please. <laughs> Maybe nothing. Not much. <laughs> I have a 64 gigs and even can run a stream. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I will say that over the years, we've gotten uh, more... Um, I, well, let me put it nicely. We don't worry very much about sort of CPU and memory and disk, right? Things that used to be expensive, you know, like, you know, even like 20, 30 years ago, right? Not so much now. We take these things for granted now. Yeah. Yeah, but like if you know how to pack it down to this level, you can create much uh, larger scalable applications because when you create, let's say, the tra- uh, traffic filtering software or like VPN cores, Right, the things which actually like well, real real IP, let's say, not just API endpoints. That's where you have to optimize it, and like knowing these basics and mm-hmm. knowing that yes, uh, sixty-four kilobytes sounds like a small amount. I and mean, it's a joke which Bill Gates said back in the day. If uh, someone <laughs> don't remember, like obviously he's wrong. But if you realize how actually huge this amount, like sixty-four kilobytes of stack on like uh, some hardware chip can let you, well, to stream a ton of traffic, you know, and uh, build something like a Netflix, build something like like uh, Starlink, because all of these things which are doing great, great things, they have to be optimized. You can't put, you know, 10 CPU server in space. It's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, all right. Valerie, what did you bring? So my unpopular opinion is uh, open source is a hard work. In my opinion, it's a much harder than uh, some enterprise development because I was involved in like in different enterprise projects, and the flow is uh, pretty pretty much defined. Like if uh, customer support has uh, some ticket, it like uh, can process it, send to specialists like quality assurance. It like can write test it, write uh, like test cases. It brings to you. You can like see this ticket, fix the problem, run the tests, and so on. But in open source, <laughs> a lot of people think that they should not bother themselves to write a proper description of the issue. It's like, <laughs> I, I have a problem, please fix it. Or one of the, my favorite issues is like nuts and question mark. <laughs> what does it mean? So, so a lot of people are they offering nuts, or are they asking you if you want not like are you? <laughs> but when I say, please describe what do you want, like you want to not support or, or something else, and close the ticket, the guy asked me why you're so rude, <laughs> why you close my ticket. So, and there are a lot of such things in in the open source development. So you should handle a lot of things. You should have a, a various types of virtual machines to run on Ubuntu uh, previous versions, Ubuntu current versions, Debian, FreeBSD, macOS, and uh, Windows different versions. So if someone send you a ticket, I guess some people think that this is a joke, like open source development is like a joke for us, or I don't know. So it's like write a three, two or three uh, like lines of the description or do not provide a 
like test cases. So it's um, it's very complicated to figure out what do you really want. <laughs> <laughs> so one guy asks me like, the Docker doesn't work on my machine. Like <laughs> what? So I, I have to fix the Docker on the machine. So but. You see, CI is, in CI, everything uh, like brings from the scratch, like a Docker uh, installs from the scratch. So you see, everything works inside the Docker. It's something inside your machine, but the guy said, no, it's a problem in your code. So it's because <laughs> I can't it run. So it was a so long and so boring like uh, communications with a lot of people to prove that this is not a joke. It's a hard work, really hard work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and actually, all, all of the code to write is public. So, like, because people are going to see it and going to blame you. I mean, they're going to blame right, you anyway, right. but now they're going to have a reason. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. You, you have a squad, uh, like, N squad algorithm, or you have an N factorial algorithm. So, you should not, should, <laughs> shouldn't do it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, thank you guys uh, so much for coming on the show and talking about really what piqued my curiosity when it showed up at, on my desk, my virtual desk, uh, you know, PHP and, and, and go and how these two things sort of complement each other. It's been awesome having y'all. And uh, I will now play our outro song. And then we will try to wrap this up right on time, too. That is our show for this week. Thanks again to Seb for requesting this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Yes, we take requests. Head to gotime.fm slash request and let us know what you want to hear about on the pod. Special thanks again to Fastly for delivering our shows all around the world, to Breakmaster Cylinder for hooking us up with all the excellent beats you hear on the show, and to you for listening. We appreciate you spending time with us. If you have a couple more minutes, enjoy this clip from the Changelog 486. We invited Frank Kruger on to discuss his practical guide to solving hard problems, and he shared so much wisdom with us. Listen in. And I was reading Wikipedia page after Wikipedia page, modern treatment after modern treatment. What I was trying to do was synthesize these V nodes. It's a complicated thing of data management. And I couldn't understand any of the algorithms until I opened the Dragon Book and saw in the 1970s their pseudocode implementation of the algorithm, which threw away all the details, ignored all these modern advances that aren't actually advancements. You don't actually need them. And written out in this very clear style in all capital letters. I don't even know what language they were pretending to be in that book. But just finally getting it from this old, old resource and realizing, oh my god, in the 1970s there's chapter 5, section 4, and they describe exactly the problem I'm having, and they oh my god, even better, have a solution to it. Wow. And then you can <laughs> transcribe that solution from their crazy, whatever language that was, into whatever you want to be using. And you learn a lot during that process. That felt so good to me when I finally found that. It's like uh, coming across hidden treasure somewhere. You're like, look at this! Look what I found! I knew they were smart. That's crazy. <laughs> you want to tell somebody at that moment, but nobody, not that they don't care, they just can't care. It's like... <laughs> They just you know can't I mean? care. They can't care. It's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Frank. Okay, but congratulations on solving the problem. <laughs> well, there, there's a little street cred, too. Like, just knowing about the book shows that you're semi-interested in compiler technology. Actually having a use for the book? I feel like I became a computer scientist that day. I actually applied something from the Dragon Book. Yeah. It was a real high point in my career, to be thoroughly honest. And that's where you're standing on the shoulder of giants. <laughs> 
It's like you graduated from Hogwarts that day. You became a wizard. You became a real wizard. By copying a wizard spell, but yeah. <laughs> but I realized exactly. the, the wizard yeah, spell worked. Yeah, I was very hairy or Hermione right. there. <laughs> Continue listening and subscribe to The Changelog at changelog.fm slash 486. Hey, are you ready for our next installment in the maintenance series? Chris assembled an awesome panel to discuss what to do when Go projects get big and messy. Johnny joined him, as did Ian Lopshire and Sam Boyer, for an excellent conversation. That's something to look forward to next time on Go Time. Go Time.